refrigerator. I think I bought it in, I know when I bought it, 1988. And uh, I had it in my basement in Detroit when I lived here. I moved it here and then Pastor Shirley got it and it just quit working last year. So that's what, 22 years, 23 years or something like that. So they can run an awful long time. So I'm just saying. And I think the only thing we had done when I had it in the basement, I didn't use the ice maker. And so we weren't sure it was working. So we had that looked at. that need minor uh, something done. But praise God. You know, just, we just need to use our faith for more things, folks. I'd rather use my faith and go out and spend a $1,000 for something that doesn't really run as long sometimes. So we, we really need to be people of faith to encourage ourselves. I got a lot more things I could spend a $1,000 on other than a new refrigerator. You got me? And I don't get caught up in, in fads. If I could have my old gold refrigerator, I'd have it now. <laughs> I'd put some white paint on it or white daisies and stick them on there and keep them rolling. <laughs> Praise God. You know, people say, well, I got to have, I just got to have, I, I don't got to have nothing but Jesus. You understand? I mean, don't get yourself hung up in the natural got to haves because that's, this is not true. It really isn't. You need to be content. And then one day that thing will come rolling in your door and you didn't pray for it and you didn't ask for it and you didn't spend a dime on it. You know, God said well I just gave it to you because you said you didn't want it but I'm going to give it to you you know what I'm you chose me over things or whatever so you know we, we have to be careful what we set our affection on and, and that kind of stuff you know if one thing goes out another one comes in you know I hear people now that the uh, uh, what do you call it do it yourself TV shows are fashionable you know I'm like granite countertops those are out now you understand me? That went out like two or three years ago. Now it's marble. Now it's the you know quartz and all that other stuff or concrete or whatever. So I'm gonna keep my tile counted. He was scrubbing the grout in between. Sometimes I look at it and say, Why'd I do this? You know, but everything needs some kind of help and some kind of maintenance. But you know, we have to be careful about stuff like that. Devil gets you caught up in that and you won't be able to move any further because you think you're supposed to do certain things. But praise God, we're free. Amen. We're free of encumbrances. I know how I got way over there from talking about the refrigerator. But anyway, we're believing Marsha for long life on her refrigerator and that this guy will get it fixed and it'll be fine. And we'll ask her what color it is later. Marcia, you still got that harvest gold in your kitchen. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> praise God. Amen. God is good. So we're still talking about trial by mercy. When we have trials in our lives, they are trials by mercy. We're not tried uh, by fire punishment. There is fire involved. The fire is the... <clears throat> The altar of God that we are positioned on spiritually speaking. Our hearts are being purified through the trials. We are being purified. We are being our faith is being tested as to what uh, caliber of faith it is. Are you really trusting God? Uh, uh, so many times I think if people would see the trial as what it is. It's information gathering for you. 
because so many people get deceived because they think they're in faith and they're not or they think they're believing God and God never told them to pursue what they're trying to pursue all these things get get confused because people don't understand the purpose of trial they don't understand that God is a merciful God you're not being punished because your faith is being tried but you're being helped because you need to know what level or what caliber of faith you really do have and so once we understand God and and understand his ways we will be able to cooperate with him in a greater fashion and James 1 starting in verse 2 he instructs us to count it all joy when we fall into these diverse temptations now tests and trials come uh, different ways different types different uh, things that God will challenge us in. Uh, one of the things we need to know, though, and you know, and I, I consider a trial as something that uh, you know you you get involved in, and it doesn't move itself quickly. You know, something that's that takes endurance to press through. Uh, if everything would move at our words, it would be magic and not faith. And so to a certain degree. Now I know there's a place where these things do get out of your way and they're final. But many times there is a challenge, uh, uh, resistance by the enemy. And this wrestling goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, when we're in situations where our, our faith is being tried. As to You know, if you think about uh, faith as being... Um, uh, uh, say like a cord uh, that you're pulling things from the realm of the spirit over into the natural realm that thing will snap if it's not the good quality that it takes there's not enough power there and there's not enough strength in that cord to get it across that reality line uh, that dimension of time that brings it from the supernatural to the natural your faith is connected to something that's how you know when Bible says faith is a substance of things hoped for it's like putting a a hitch onto a a trailer you know you're hitched your faith hitches you to something that's real in the realm of God in the realm of glory it exists already in God other than that he wouldn't paint you a picture of it he wouldn't promise it to you he's promising us real things and I think we forget that sometimes and these real things take a certain amount of strength to pull from that realm of glory over into the realm of the natural where you are in your garage in your pocketbook in your wherever you want to have it deposited it takes a certain amount of faith strength and sometimes when we feel resistance we let go and don't even try picking it up again got me we think resistance is God saying no well if you think that your faith was was very weak to begin with you got me if you think God says no then your faith is already weak because all his promises are yes and amen so you got to have that much confidence in you that God said I could have this I'm going to have it and I'm going to continue to work at it until I get it over here in the realm where I live and where the realm where he promised me it would reside and so when when our faith is tested we're being encouraged that it's a certain strength it's a certain uh, not quite there yet add more to it huh 
add to your faith patience and virtue and and all the add to's you know it's another chord it's another uh, 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 dimension of strength of chord that you add to you braid it into what you already got pulling it see if you got twine maybe some nylon needs to be woven into it that's your your uh your patience and virtue and things of that nature that need to be woven into your faith cord love needs to be worked in there as long as your attitude about god is right you get what you want as long as you see god the way he really is you'll be able to receive what you want you got to have you got to see things the way he sees things can't you can't let the carnality of your soul the I gotta have and I want and I wish I had and it's been a long time and how long do I have to wait what did I do wrong and and why can't God do it for me does it for everybody you know you can't let that enter in into your your work of faith into the test you got to put you got to keep focused you got to put all your energy all your focus all your being into the realm of the spirit so that because you need every muscle you can get to get some of these things over into the natural realm folks you're just going to need it and so we have to to be confident that this is what God wants us to do we have to stay focused on the fact that these things (coughs) come to us and when they come to us we need to understand that God is not punishing us when we don't get what we want spiritual brats People wind up in so much trouble pressuring God for things that other people are telling them they should have. See, when you live for God, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta watch your company. You gotta watch your company. You gotta get around people of like precious faith who won't pressure you into trying to get something out of season in your life. God knows what he's got for you. He knows what time it's due in your life. He knows how he wants you to enjoy it. He knows all of these things. Maybe if we trusted him more we would get on his time schedule for things. And allow him to bring them to us in due season. When they are ripe. Not premature. Not malfunctioning. Not needing life support. You got me? In due season. When they're due. And so these are the things that that we have to be assured of. That if God has promised us something, he means to deliver it, but he knows everything. We only know what we want and what we're impatient for. That's what we want. That's what we know. And so many times God will will, um, challenge us to step out and ask him for certain things he'll challenge us to do it just step out and ask me for for something or put it on your heart to do things a certain way or to <clears throat> get to uh get to a place where you can can uh, uh um just trust him with your words and trust him with your heart and trust him when you speak certain things they come from the heart of god and he does mean to bring those into your life instead of you looking at what your friends have and decide you want that too and then start begging god for it you got me that's terribly wrong it's called covetousness that's why he tells us not to covet don't covet no you don't do that because i've got something for you. you talk to me about what you want you find out what I have for you. I have a plan for your life. I have things uh, ordained for your life. 
that that only I can bring to you. Your neighbor can't bring it. Your neighbor don't have it. You haven't seen it yet and you won't see it until you get possession of it. And so when we understand God and that he has a plan. He's not into feeding our carnality and feeding our flesh any longer. And that's the real test. Can you endure not having every little thing you want when you want it? And see, if we get some of those wants out of our flesh and over into the spirit where they belong. You got me? Your flesh craves. Your spirit doesn't. Your spirit is satisfied. That's one way you know the flesh is involved. It's, your mind's obsessed with it. You can't. Every other thought you have is when is it going to happen? When's it going to be here? Well, I'm, you know, it's time's a wasting, God. Well, he knows time's a wasting. It's been a wasting. Huh? Was wasting when you met him. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Sometimes our satisfactions have nothing to do with material things. Or things of the natural realm. And I think that's the greatest thing God gets us to see. Your satisfaction isn't in what you can see, touch, taste, taste touch and feel. It's not there. That's just momentary. But your satisfaction, your your purpose for being is going to come for in the unseen realm. The things that you can't see. Things like love and compassion and understanding and mercy and wisdom and uh, all of that, you know, uh, stuff uh, is is very very important. It's important that we learn how to appreciate those things. <clears throat> so. And it's a good tester for us. Sometimes when I get impatient for things that I know God's got us working on and, and things that I know we need to build and things we need to encourage ourselves in. And then out of nowhere he'll send me a, a an email from somebody that, uh, well you don't know me but I've been watching your website for years and I've learned so much. And, and God's got me in ministry now and I'm about to do this and do that. And if it hadn't been for your teachings and you know and they, I find out they've been purchasing CDs and got the prayer manual and stuff like that and so this is what God put us out there for is to help people and teach them and so it's it but it's amazing to me God's timing when you feel like you really are are exhausted and God you know when is it going to happen and all that kind of stuff your thoughts start drifting and all of a sudden he comes up and shows you he's working on things you don't know anything about because you're so focused on one area. And he's got you in many areas and you don't even know it. You understand what I'm saying? And all the areas are important to God. And I think that's the one thing that I have to keep in mind. You know that every area that we function in in ministry is extremely important to God. And and you have to stay in that flow. So anyway, <clears throat> in in James it says to count it all joy... When we fall into these diverse, so there will be many test situations that we'll find ourselves in. And he says, because you know this. He said, knowing this, if you, if you, know, if you know this, you can count it joy. If you don't know this, it's not going to be joyful for you. But he said, knowing this. So count it all joy knowing this. Not count it all jo- joy knowing something else. Huh? You can't count it all joy knowing that it's not as bad as your neighbor went through. 
You can't count it all joy if you know that was only going to last for a short time because God promised me I'm going to get out of it real quick. You, You don't know that. You don't know the time, the duration. You don't know anything. But you know this much. That the testing of your faith will work patience. It will work something in you. You'll be whole and entire. You won't lack anything. And while you're in the test. You can get as much wisdom as you, you need. Amen. Very seldom do we ask for wisdom. Unless we're pressed. You know. Because you need it. That's when you need it. You need wisdom to. You know you're not sitting there just asking for wisdom. It's just. Here I am. Make me wise. Here you're going to need it for something. Most people are more motivated when they have a need. Now to be honest with you, when you're a believer, you should have a need whenever somebody else has a need too. You got me? Because as a believer, you're a servant. And you, if you're out to help somebody, wisdom will help you help them. So it's not always a selfish aspect of need, but it can be the need. Say, for instance, if somebody needs prayer for something, you you got to find out. Let the Holy Spirit direct that prayer the way it needs to go for that person, or it's kind of like in vain, you know. So you have a need for wisdom when you want to help people. You have a need for wisdom to solve problems in your life. You have a need for help from God <clears throat> at all times, and so that will come to you. And and he talks also about not being double-minded, but stay focused on what it is you want from God. Double-mindedness is, well, I want it, I want it not. I want it, I don't want it. I used to want it, but now it's gotten so so long, I don't want it anymore. You got me? And so double-mindedness really keeps us focused, keeps our faith focused on pulling it into the realm of the natural. Not wanting it because you're mad at God because it's taken so long. It loosens your grip on it. You know. It'll stay out there. It'll stay out there. Somebody else will get it. Isn't that true? Parable of the talents. Something you desired from God. That's true about ministry. It's true about money, finances. It's true about job opportunities. It's true about businesses. All that stuff. It'll stay out there until somebody with the stick to that it takes to reel it in uh, starts looking for it. And so God knows how not to waste things. He knows how to get them into the earth. He knows how to test us, test our faith to see what it is that we really, really do believe. So in James it tells us testing your faith helps you shore up the holes in your foundation that's really what it is that when you step out in faith and you think that's all it takes and all you got to do is confess the word until or or uh, like some people uh, say speak it into existence that's no such thing as that come on folks you you're not we're not witches and warlocks here we ain't god either you don't speak anything into existence it exists already in god all you're doing is getting it from him he's got to release it to you I don't know if you know how to go over in the glory and go shopping and pull your stuff out I don't but God's going to have to release that to us so you don't speak anything into anything if, he, if, if that were true then Jesus wouldn't rebu- have rebuked the Pharisees for their much speaking to think that they could get what they wanted from God that's been tried already and it's been found a failure and it's been rebuked 
You don't speak anything into existence. You don't have that power. You have delegated authority in certain realms. And faith comes by hearing. Your faith even is released to you from God. That's not yours. That's his faith. And so it's tempered with if we if God let us do that, man, we'd be a mess, a hot mess. You understand me? And so you don't speak anything into existence. It's you know, I hate it when I hear people say immature things like that. Because people grab it up. See, this kind of teaching they don't like but they like speaking into existence because they can grab that and run with it real fast you know anybody can do that well let me grab that real quick yeah right but, but test uh-uh, I don't want I never did like tests even when I was in school I never did like them I get headache on test day huh always absence always had a stomach ache or something so that word testing and trial oh boy huh yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been uh, I've been incarcerated once before. I didn't like that. I didn't. I don't like them judges and them juries and none of that stuff. I mean, I likes my jury, but I don't like them jury. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so it, it has a, a sour note in most people's minds. But speak it into existence. That's real. That makes you real happy. You know what I'm saying? And so we have to get sober about this God is building people of integrity and character the saints of the most high God who will judge nations you got me will sit with 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 people of of high caliber in a righteous realm so how can he put us there if all we want to do is go around and talk blab it and grab it you know name it and claim it that kind of stuff that they've always made fun of us for uh, because it does sound a little silly to people who really understand the Christian lifestyle and what God really is trying to do he's trying to conform us to the image of Christ and Jesus wasn't nervous about what the father was going to give him or when he was going to give it to him he knew all his needs were taken care of and so he wants us to settle down be normal people in God and so God keeps covenant and mercy so we have to remember that any trial that he puts us through his mercy overrides everything that happens in that test that mercy overrides it so you don't have to worry about how long it's going to last what do you care his mercy is there for you what do you need in the midst of your trial his mercy will bring it to you the word mercy really means to be compassionate or kindly forbearing toward an offender isn't that amazing somebody who really doesn't deserve it an offender or an enemy or another person over whom you have power so that mercy means that you have power to judge harshly but you don't it's a good thing because people sometimes look at trials as you know something's wrong somewhere when they're very very normal James tells us they're normal why else are we instructed to count it all joy these things are going to happen so the judge has discretionary power to pardon someone that's what mercy means it means to have discretionary power to pardon so what are we so upset about 
Mercy also means benevolence. That means they'll do us good. God always wants to do us good. He never wants to punishment punish us. Being merciful means you are going to mitigate the punishment. James tells us we will be whole and entire lacking nothing. Why is that important? Why, 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 why? You look at some of the people that that have risen to great heights in in God. God's blessed them to be able to have large congregations and television programs and influence people and and all of that. (laughs) And then they get somewhere and they are found in a, 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 a relationship with a man or a woman not supposed to be, not their wife, not in lying and all of this stealing, cheating, all of this stuff kind of opens up. That's because they lack something. They are lacking something folks. This isn't just the devil being mad at them because they are doing so much for God. Let's grow up here. They are lacking something. Which means that somehow they were able to wiggle out of the test of God. And still get to places in the earth that you usually think that great faith in God will get you there. Now you know and I know that you can build with mortar and bricks or you can build on sand. But that building will still go up. You know that sand castle will still go up. It will look pretty. It will look like it will hold a bunch of people. It will look like it will be there forever. But if it's made of sand the first thing that it starts shaking when God's voice thunders and it shakes a little bit it's going to collapse. And so God's voice will thunder in a way on everybody's life. You cannot pass up the test forever. There will be a situation you will have to confront and it will show you exactly what's there and what you're made out of. And so many times these people have not been tried and tested. They know how to wiggle out of it. They'll get somebody else to to you know do that job, or they'll pass it off to somebody who wants to be associated with you know the next great thing that's coming along in the body of Christ. All that, and and, and it'll fall apart on them. And so James says that if you count it all joy, and you know that these things won't happen to you once you get there to that place of prominence in God, you know that if you Pass through every test that he's put before you and you're whole and entire and you lack nothing you will be there and you will stand you will be there and you will stay I can remember there was a person that kept wondering talking to other people who had great prominence in God and and wondering well uh, I just want to know when I get to the place where you are if I'm going to be able to stay and of course they weren't they had questions it's interesting though the people that they were uh, patterning themselves after prominent people they're barely hanging on 
You know what I'm saying? Sometimes when you're under people who are shaky, you feel they're shaking and you incorporate it into your life. You understand what I'm saying? And so you just have to be careful, folks, to make make sure you stay rooted and grounded in the place where God wants you to be, where you, as long as you need to be there. Because it's easy to blow up real big in this earth and be like a a rocket that shoots up and, and shines for a minute and then runs out of steam and fizzles back down but that's not what James is saying will happen to you if you obey God through this test if he prescribes a test for you you have to learn how to endure and count it all joy knowing what you're going to get in the end people who crab and complain and whine have no clue what they're going to get at the end they just look at what's here and they think God is withholding something from them they think God doesn't want them to have something or they'll blame it on the saints the saints don't want me to have anything they 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 are jealous of me and they don't want me to go any further because I got this great gift you know the you know the routine it's it's all been said 20,000 times and so when we look at that we know that they are missing some bricks. They're missing some mortar. They're missing some very important foundational things. You know, so it's good to shore up your foundation periodically. And that's what the trial does too. It helps you shore up your foundation. Sometimes we think, well, I've been over this scripture so many times and I've heard it so many times, but you're shoring up your foundation. You need to put some more bricks in that foundation so that it will remain secure. So anyway, um, uh, in God, though, we know that we have to uh, pass through this test. And so uh, many times we're, we can get stuck in what we call the valley of decision. We talked about that. Uh, I believe that decisions to serve God are made one time. And you don't have to stay in the valley contemplating what I should do or should I go forward or should I do this or should I do that. The valley of decision is for people who never made the decision to follow him 100% or they don't know how to give every area of their life over to God. They think they can keep certain certain areas back and and remain in fear and, and it's okay to remain there and not go forward in God. You see, uh, when we when we give in to fear, we're only looking at the immediate. God always looks at the long term. He sees things in terms of eternity. And so that's why he will put certain things into our hands, even though they take more responsibility, they take more effort, they take more management, they take more money, they take more everything. He will put certain things into our hands because he's looking way down the road. He's looking at eternity. He's looking at, you know, most most parents look at the children and then when the grandchildren come along they they think they're making provision for it well maybe two generations but God's looking at the 10th generation from where you are he was looking at the 10th generation when you got saved you got me somebody 10 generations ago probably came in covenant with God or prayed a prayer and that brought salvation to your doorstep so it's very important to obey him based on eternal things and not just on temporal things what's here right now is going to fade away 
But the things that God puts in your heart to do and to perfect are going to be there forever. And so we have to think about things in terms of eternity. You, you really must think about it that way. Don't spend all your spiritual capital on things that just pertain to you. You got to invest in some other, you know, you got to invest in some other people. You got to invest in some other uh, things that will benefit other people. You got to invest in your, uh, your, your uh, efforts, your, your church's efforts to uh, branch out, do more things. Like, you know, we pass out flyers. That's extremely important to God. You know, I don't understand people that have so much important to do they can't go pass out a flyer. I don't understand it. It's such a small thing. Or when we pass out bread or, you know, we do the outreach in Cleveland. You know, it's just how much are you going to cut off? How much seed are you going to withhold sowing and still want God's best? You got me? It does. It needs. It has to balance, folks. It can't. You know, not be balanced. And the more we make excuses for for just being idle, that's what I think. I think it's just, you know, it's idleness. If something, something's not right there. Because eventually it's going to show up. You know, uh, it, you know, the job opportunity that was so good, it dries up. You understand what I'm saying? It, that's, a, that's a lack of sowing somewhere. That can easily be fixed by sowing seed into your own life so that it can grow and prosper. You can flourish and, and, and you know, lodge under the branches of it. You can have a, a, a chill out space that's all your own that's created for you. Simply because you sowed into the good things that your life, you want your life to produce. It's real simple. And, and yet... Over the years you see people pull back, pull back, pull back, pull back, pull back. And they'll even say, remember when we used to go out, we used to do this. and <laughs> Like it's a thing of the past. It should be more. We should do more for God the longer you know him. Not less. Not less. You need to do more. And we need to grow up into this and understand that God looks at things from eternity. You don't know the people. You don't know who's in need somewhere. You know, God forbid you try to get help off some of the Christian television that's on there. You understand me? There's few programs you can really get any gospel help off of. You can get a lot of doomsday prophecies and buying shrunken food and, you know, keeping it in a, a... how to dig a tunnel under your house. That'll be on there next. You know, trying to put off the inevitable. I don't get it. But... You know, I mean, you get on there and, you know, there's not a whole lot of help for you. So you got to understand that you might be the one that God has ordained to be that help for that person. You're probably the one that God's ordained to make sure the flyer gets in the hand of the person that really needs the help. They can get the help when they get to the meeting. You understand me? And so we we have to look at things in eternal terms. Not just what you need right now in your life. You must look at what God has planned for your life. Am I doing as much as I can to make sure the eternal is taken care of first? Not the temporal but the eternal. You must focus on the eternal. You you focus on the temporal and you'll be frustrated. 
You'll be angry, upset. It'll never be here fast enough. When it gets here, it's not the right color. It's not the right. Uh, it's not expensive enough. It's not the right brand. It's never it, if you focus on the natural, because there's always something in the natural that's going to be better than that little thing that you pulled in. And so we we really have to focus in on what is God doing in me, and what's He putting in me. The other thing is he's putting something in the earth. There is a level of faith that he wants deposited in the earth that when it's here others who need that faith will be able to receive it. You got me? Abraham endured what he had to endure because there was a deposit of faith that God was leaving in the earth for his people. As long as somebody's accomplished it, it's going to be here for other individuals to pull from as they join into the, the things of God. As they enter into the kingdom, this deposit of faith is there for the believers. The Bible talks about a, a, a laying hold of the faith that was was uh, the uh, was given to the saints. There's a deposit given to us. We don't have to start back at the very beginning, understanding God. There's a deposit that comes to us as we come into the born again experience. We can zip right into there. We go through all of the revivals, all of the eons in in one motion of God and receive all. Of that we have the ability to believe we don't have to wonder about how to get saved anymore we know the just to live by faith that's how we got saved when you come into the kingdom that faith was there waiting for you and so God wants people of faith because there's somebody you haven't seen yet they're not born yet they're not even uh, on the slate for the next hundred years that's going to need faith that we are depositing in the earth right now you got me? And so this, this thing is so much bigger than your job and your house and your car. It's so much bigger than that. So much bigger. And so we have to stretch ourselves and understand that as you go through this uh, life and, and you, you go through the testing of God, that you'll be whole, entire, lacking nothing for eternal purposes. You got me? For eternal purposes, not just for you. So, you know, when you when we come into this place of decision, you know, uh, uh, make your decisions to God quickly. Just say, yes, Lord. It's just that simple. You've all, your heart's already decided you want to go God's way. You say, yes, Lord. Whatever it is he wants you to do, whatever you need to submit to, whatever it is you need to, uh, to release to him and trust him in, you, you say yes to all of those things and you'll get through your trial peaceably. You don't want to go kicking and screaming and trying to hold on to everything. And I can't let go of this. And, oh God, he's dealing with me on that. Listen, just cut the baby stuff out, okay? We don't want to brag about dealings. Just get dealt and go through. You got me? And come out with something that's, that's tangible, that's going to help people, that's going to be what God ordained for you to have. So in the book of Daniel, we're going to talk a little bit about the trial of fire. But it was a fire that was tempered with mercy uh, because people are always afraid of uh, what's God going to do to me. Well you ought to know. Read your Bible and you'll know. It's always going to be mercy in whatever trial God has for us. There's mercy there. There's understanding there. There's peace there. And God wants us to pick up mercy. And that's why he 
puts mercy in the trial. So we will be merciful people. So we won't be so quick to judge. We won't be so quick to cut people off. We won't be so quick to get impatient with people. But as you get whole and entire and lack nothing through your trial, then he wants you to to shed that out onto other people. You're more like God in that sense. So uh, the things that you need to know, let me see with my notes here. Our trial, I said, is laced with mercy. And it's a question of uh, really we need to step up and understand that what we've been saying we believe, now we have an opportunity to show we believe it. So it's like put your life where your mouth is. Or put your life where your mouth has been. You've got to now the things that you say are important to you. The things that you say you you value. The things that you say you want to do for God. Now you're having an opportunity to really prove that. You know that has to be proven. And that's all that's happening here. The enemy will come. To see if he can get you to stop your words, stop your actions, stop you believing. And and he gets people to stop, folks. People cave and crumble all the time. And you see them because some of them are on television. And so we don't want to be people who cave and crumble. We want to be people who stand fast. I think the stand fast people are, are seldom public people. You know, you'll find some people that are just in their own little humble way, loving God and serving God, and and you never know who they are. It's always the prominent people that make you want to scratch your head and say, how how, did this happen? So our trials are laced with mercy. Your trial will, will help you determine where your treasure really is. What do you really value? That's that's what the trial is. It it'll because what's what's what you stand for will stand with you. What you can let go of will be burned up. You got me. What you can let go of will leave in the trial, but what you stand for will be there. The other question it answers is who do you trust? Where's your treasure? Who do you trust? Are you trusting in spirit or flesh? Are you trusting in seen or unseen? What have you said about God? And what do you need to say about God? So in a trial your confession will what we call tighten up. You know how when, when you know that leg hurts and it don't stop hurting for a while. And you were sloppy on your confession about it, but now you say, you know what, I better quit saying that <laughs> this thing is painful. You understand what I'm saying? You tighten up. You put all your your words, your energy, your effort into one direction. You don't want it scattered anymore. You want it gone one direction. And it's going toward what God wants you to receive. You don't. You can't afford to get upset and angry and say, "Well, I'm just going to go do this because I'm in." But what the heck, you know that kind of stuff. You you don't you don't have that attitude. You understand me? You you don't want to throw something out there that the enemy can pick up on. You want to keep all your effort, your spiritual effort, your words, your thoughts, everything invested in God because that's where it's going to pay off.
And everybody that's got any spiritual sense knows how to do that. I think sometimes people because they haven't experienced it they don't think it's real. And that's why they keep getting tested over and over again. They get right to the point of really trusting God and somehow wiggle out and worm out. And so they don't think this business of staying in the word, they don't think that really is going to do anything. They don't tell you that, but that's what they really believe. Because you can tell by what people do what they believe. And what they do is they go off and they find something else to do and they never get beyond the level, a certain level in life. They never can conquer a certain weakness that they have. They never can conquer a certain mindset that they've held on to because they've never done it before. And they think because they've been saved X number of years they've experienced everything. And they've just been walking on the fringes of the kingdom. On the outer courts kind of people. Enjoying the worship a little bit. Lifting their hands and getting excited a little bit. But the depth of it never gets to them. You got me? Because they know in order to go deep they're going to have to lose something of of their toys. You know something silly they want to hold on to. Like a silly confession or you know some tapes they've made or something nonsense like that. And so we, we have to understand that. God wants us to go go into the depths of us where we'll be whole, entire, lacking nothing. You got me? And you only get that through standing fast in his word against opposition. So the trial is against something that opposes God's word for you. God tells you you're going to prosper and you keep getting in debt. Well that debt is something that's standing against you. And you got to stand on God's word. You got to be obedient to God. You got to be all in in God's kingdom in order for this thing to work. And we keep thinking we can have our cake and eat it too. So we can skip paying our bills. We can put this off and put that off. Well, you can't do that and still prosper in God. And so because we've never put our our nose to the grindstone and muscled in and received God's provision, we think it doesn't exist. That's why we don't do it. We don't think it's real. We don't think if I do this I can get the point A from point A to point B if I go this way. We don't think that's right. That's why we keep playing around with stuff like that. And we never get our victory over it. I've seen people that, you know, they, they you know, when they came to Christ they slept around. And five years later still sleeping around. Why? You never ever believed that if you change your confession, you change your company, you walk the straight and narrow, you get free of it. You think you can't get free. Just say amen somebody. It don't have to be you to be true. But this is what people do. They leave themselves in the same state physically, mentally, spiritually, company wise. And they think they're going to have a different result. Well you won't have a different result. You've got to change your thinking and go deeper into your commitment to Christ in order to get free from these things. You can't stay at this level. You know, you're still going out to the club, still seeing the old girlfriend, still doing this. You think you're going to walk holy and you keep in that kind of company? I don't think so. But see, people think that because they've never experienced freedom and conquering their own flesh that it's not possible. So you hang around people who like to complain and who like to say, oh, them over there, they think they're this and they think they're that. You live on the low level. Bottom feeding. 
when God has called you to live on the top to walk on water you're down on the bottom feeding yourself because you you find your company with people who are disgruntled don't want to put up the effort don't want to do what they need to do and don't believe God's going to reward them if they diligently seek him and so this is how the test goes it goes so that you can come out the way God wants you to come out you can know God is there for you you can know victory you can know all of these things instead of just muddling through and then looking for some kind of escape out of your trouble instead of overcoming you know there's a difference don't you the Hebrew boys overcame they didn't escape escape would have been they didn't go into the furnace to begin with they went in and they overcame big difference there's a difference in the result that you get when you come out as an overcomer or more than an overcomer sometimes all we want is the next bill paid and God wants us to be able to not only have command over our own finances but other things as well well we get excited about the other things but we don't want to pay the price to get our own under control so how are you going to be ruler over many and you can't rule your own little household do you understand what I'm saying it doesn't it doesn't add up so don't get excited about being ruler over many until you've mastered being ruler over little The mercy of God provides help for us in the trial. So much help. Number one, you get help by the heavenly host. We saw that in Joshua 1. There are angels that come to your rescue. And you need them. Angels help help you to keep the right company. You know that uh, the wrong people can't be around you. When angelic uh, help is present for you. They're so big they keep an atmosphere around you that wrong people can't get next to you. You understand what I'm saying? That is if you stand with God through the trial. You've got to take a stand on his word and not care what happens to you. You're going to see his word come to pass. You got me? Yeah, you just, I don't know, I'm I'm not, you know, I don't care about that. I'm just, you know, I'm going to stand with his word. You get so much help coming to you. Just like Joshua did, the man that stopped him. He said, he said are you with us or with them? He said, I'm neither one, I'm in charge. He said, I'm the winner. He said, I came to help you because I'm going to get you over on the winning side. So I don't, I don't fool around in these natural things. I don't belong to them. I don't belong to you. I belong to God and I'm taking you with me. You understand? And so this is what you get when you make that decision to go 100% with God and you don't waver. You don't grumble. You don't complain. You don't get discouraged. You don't get mad at people. You don't get you know, mad at your boss because they refuse to promote you. You don't get mad at the economy because you know, you're not, your stock isn't doing well. You don't get mad at any of that stuff. You keep your focus on God. So you get, get the help of the heavenly host. That's Matthew 26.53 where Jesus was going to Calvary and he was really going to the Praetorium to be tried. And, and you know the disciples wanted to, <laughs> Jesus had given them a parable about he who, I think he who lives by the sword will have to pick up the sword or something. Or you know the time will come when you have to pick up a sword or something. So Peter picks up a sword and lops off some guy's ear. You know he thinks it's, it's so literal. 
and so carnal in their thinking you know but anyway Jesus said put that away he said don't you know I could have ten legions of angels come down here and help me if I needed it angelic presence guided him through his trial you see that the Bible says when the disciples wouldn't pray with him the angels came and comforted him and they stayed with him throughout the trial there's evidence that angels stay with us throughout the trial as long as we need them there they, they never abandon us that's why the Lord says he will never leave us nor will he forsake us so they're there to help us wisdom and counsel are abundant in the books of, uh, of uh, Samuel and Kings you see about 12 examples where it says David inquired of the Lord and got an answer and I'm talking about in hard times he is in the midst of war he was in the midst of running from Saul all of these situations where it's hard really to get your composure and hear he was able to inquire of the Lord and get an answer you got me and so God's answer and counsel and wisdom for us are abundant when we're in difficulty you got me he will counsel us he will help us he will do whatever it is that we need to have done so that we can make it through the other thing you have is divine protection you always have the fourth man in the trial with you always you don't go into any trial without your lawyer got me he advocates for you he intercedes for you he ministers over your confession you got me the enemy catches you by surprise and you get upset about something you say the wrong thing he'll remind you you know stay on track now don't let that word stand don't believe that don't let the enemy get that and work it work it over your life and so he helps us to get ourselves back up right again it's always there with us we have a divine uh, help through the nine gifts of the spirit one of which is the gift of supernatural faith where your faith will not fail you get more faith than you normally have in the supernatural realm Jesus had that working for him when they wanted to throw him off of a cliff because it wasn't his time yet he was able to transform himself so that they didn't even notice he was passing through the crowd and so God is able to do that for us there are some people who have quit calling you and you think they don't like you God's got you camouflaged so they can't find you there are some people that have dropped out of your life and you're upset because you think they're mad at you and you're wondering what you did wrong you did something right you decided to go on with God they ain't going okay so let them make their own decision about that in Daniel chapter 3 we see the test that of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego they were told just like people like we're being told now it's no different nowadays our tests are not like this but they're bad and they can get this bad too they're, they were told that the, the king had picked out a god for them to worship I don't see any different than we have now in this country. With political correctness, we're told that we can't say anything negative about homosexuality. We can't say anything negative about 
uh, premarital sex, abortion, anything like that. And so we are being commanded now to worship other than the way we want to worship. Our freedom of religion or what they call freedom of religion is being taken away from us. There are so many cases before the Supreme Court now dealing with freedom of religion. There are law firms, some of them are new. They're having to create more of them to handle more volume of cases because of all the different dictates that are coming now out of our government that tells us we have to think a certain way we have to talk a certain way we have to believe a certain way and if we believe differently then we're labeled we're persecuted we're prosecuted we're sued we're fined they take away your tax exempt status all of that kind of stuff you got me and so we're being threatened just like they were threatened Nebuchadnezzar made up this had some guys make up some music and create an image and were told that that was the God. And he told the people that they had to bow down and, and uh, uh, dance to this music so to speak. You know he said whenever you hear this music you have to stop right away. Do the hokey pokey and turn yourself around. That's what it's all about. Got me? It's just as effective. I mean it's just as silly. And so <clears throat> here we have these uh, boys that are are being told now along with everybody else in the kingdom to do this well they didn't do it everybody else did as they were commanded because they didn't have another god i guess or if they had one they thought that was it you got me public opinion popular opinion what do the what's the popular thought to think nowadays see popular thought is that everybody's okay and it's wrong to say anything against anybody of a high, uh, you know, if, it's, if it indicates any kind of morality or a higher moral position, you're wrong. But you're right if you live on this low moral plane like everybody else does and accept this as normal. We reject what you are doing as normal. This is the new normal and you must bow to this. If you don't, there are sanctions against you. And so this is what happens when we allow immoral people to get in power. People who don't uh, maybe profess to serve God but don't really serve him. People who profess to know him but there's no fruit or evidence in their lives that they know God or have relationship with him. And so they force their immorality on others. They get in positions of power so that they can force their immorality on others. And then they accuse the Christian of forcing their beliefs on them. See, when really we do have the force with us. But that's God's doing that they get impressed that those words are true. See our words have power. Our words are weightier. So our words are going to have a different effect. They wish they had the power behind their words that we have behind ours. That's really what it is. So here we have in in, uh, Daniel chapter 3. In verse in verse three, they gathered all these things and dedicated them to the image. There are dedicated people to the cause of immorality, to the cause of advancing homo. These people are dedicated to it. They don't do anything else all day long. You see all these 
interest groups the uh, gay and lesbian groups and all the little offshoot groups that support them and help them and lobby for them and give them money you know their fundraisers and all that kind of stuff these people are dedicated to what they do they're not just fly by night people that you know will go do something else in a hurry they this is what they live for and this is what and that's what it means when it says in worshiping that image there's an image of living that they are trying to attain to and they worship that 24/7 they don't want to do anything else but that and so uh, don't count in other words I'm telling you this so you don't discount it as a small thing this is something you got to continue to work at. You got to continue to pray to bring this stuff down. You got to set your face like a flint until these things come down because they are dedicated to what they do. They're not just people you can easily talk out of something. They the devil's been working in them for years, for tens of years to to get them converted to this this level. We get threatened with jails, fines, lawsuits, um, the guy that didn't want to put two men on top of a wedding cake he's been told he's got to make cakes for everybody if he's going to keep his bakery you got to make cakes for everybody you can't say that if it's it's offensive to you you can refuse to do it see this is wrong this is wrong you, you, you can't take people's basic right to to a conscience See, it, it goes to what your conscience tells you is right and it's wrong. And they liken everything to uh, what was done uh, during the times of racial segregation. Well, those people weren't dealing with their consciences. Let's face it, folks. Nobody's conscience told them uh black people were inferior to white people or or the other way around that was just something they decided they were going to use as an excuse for their wicked behavior and so it's not really a matter of conscience you can't find that anywhere in anybody's set of uh of of uh, faith rules or bible rules or anything that that people believe if you look at the bible it tells you of equality of people you know it doesn't tell you any nonsense like that so it's it's not it you can't validate some of these ideas based on conscience they have nothing to do with that and so when we talk about people being dedicated to certain purposes immoral people are dedicated to their immorality and that's what they all have in common they want to live in an immoral realm and they don't want their consciences see the problem is the Christian with his words develops a conscience in these people that makes them question whether they're right and this is what they're trying to get away from they're trying to get away from that challenge to their belief that maybe what we're thinking isn't the right way maybe God doesn't really like what we're doing maybe what we've been told is wrong well see this is what they don't want they don't want this being known because it's a threat to them and if you get other people believing it the person in power will lose power it's it's all about power that's all it's ever been about and it's it was that way with Shadrach Meshach and Abednego and so when when the king made this decree in verse 10 we saw in verse 3 we saw these things were dedicated 
to a purpose. And that's what you got to understand. Just because they don't fall quickly, it doesn't mean that you don't have power against them. You have to realize that you got to chip away at them because they're dedicated. <laughs> but they will fall. And he says, verse 10, O king, uh, thou, O king, has made a decree that every man that shall hear this and so forth and so on shall fall down, fall down and worship the golden image. Who does not worship, he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And there are certain Jews, there's always somebody to tell on you. You got me? There's always somebody to try and get you in trouble. Gossip spirit, somebody that doesn't wants to see you get in trouble and get you exposed. Somebody working behind the scenes for your demise. And he says, <clears throat> you've set them over these things. And t- that's always interesting to me. Because God will promote you no matter what. He promoted these young men no matter what. And here they're sitting in a high office in the workplace. I don't care where you work. God's put you there in a high place. I don't care what your position is. But he sees you there in a high place. It doesn't have to be in the natural. It's a high place. You don't have to be the boss and running things. But you have more power and more authority than your boss will ever have. Because God's with you. But he he had advanced these boys. The the king himself had given them high positions because of their abilities. And when God starts promoting you, you're going to find there's some spy there somewhere that's going to try to get you in trouble. Just because of your advancement or your advancement potential. That's what the enemy's after. He's after your potential. Many times people that work with you see you as a threat because they see what you can do. They see your ability. They see all of that stuff and they're constantly thinking of ways to undermine you and get you out of the picture. Miss Clydell was telling me there was a, uh, somebody that put some uh, poison in a drink that she had on her desk at her job. This was many years ago. But God had told her to stay at home and take care of her children when they got a little bit older she was able to come back to her job and when she came back she said he just started to advance her she said supernaturally they would have jobs posted and and she would apply or it would be too late to apply and somebody would say well that's closed but you know we want to put you in that position so she got advanced supernaturally every time she got a raise and there was another job coming open and a woman that worked close to her desk wanted that job and they were both somewhat qualified applying or whatever and she said that she drank something she was drinking a drink that was a cup that was on her desk and when she tasted it it tasted a little different but she didn't think much of it and she said she barely got home she was so sick and she began to pray and she called her mother mother was still alive at the time and told her um, that somebody had poisoned her and she prayed for her and, and she didn't have to go to the, the emergency room but God healed her supernatural and she found out later exactly who that person was. You understand me? Don't underestimate the devil folks. We don't live in a make believe world here. This is the real thing. And so we have to always keep in mind that the enemy is working, working, working continually. Even when your life is going good, life's a blast, you're having fun and great things he's working 
uh, overtime trying to pull the the props out from under us to see us fall. The only way you're going to make it through is you got to count it all joy. You got to stay in the joy of the Lord. You got to stay in the fruit of the Spirit. You can't afford to get around people and start being disgruntled and being upset and angry and thinking somebody is after you in the natural. It's not a natural thing. This is supernatural. And people are just weak to the devil. You were weak to him once and weak now if the truth were told. Do you understand? And so we're all the same flesh and blood. You you can't look down on people because they let the devil use them. You know, this is nonsense. And so here we have, they're threatened with being going to jail etc etc and so they they when the test comes and uh, uh, they are confronted by the king himself and he finds out when they get told on you know the snitch tells on them they don't bow they say they're not going to bow king what are you going to do about it you know, you got to throw them in that furnace remember the furnace so the guys that tell on them are thinking if he throws them in the furnace I can get his job Hmm? For those of you who let the devil push you around on a job and let him push you out of a job, there's somebody is there to step up because that's a kingdom job that you're holding. That is not just working for that company. That is a kingdom place that God has put you in. It's a kingdom job. Some people never can stay in a place beyond that testing period. They got to move. They got to go. They got can't. You know. You understand what I'm saying? They never endure so that they can move up to where God wants them to be. Well, they get right back at the bottom again. You got to start all over again with the test. You got to take it all over again. Because mm-hmm. the, the requirements never change. They they never change. God's requirements are set in stone, folks. They never change. He's merciful with you through the test, but test you will. And pass you will. Or you go right through the same test again. So these people are dedicated. They're always going to be there. The devil is always going to use somebody to try and move a saint out of a position or give you a hard time about it. In verse 15 he says now if you're ready at what time you hear that etc etc. He said, you fall down and worship the image which I made. That will be well with you. But if you don't worship, you'll be cast into this fiery furnace. And who is your God that he can deliver you? See, this is where God wants to get to. Where they get curious about him. Before they just looking at you. They're mad at you and all that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is God wants them to get curious about him. Because once they ask who he is and he's, he's indebted to reveal himself to them. Nobody can ask God for a revelation sincerely and not get it. He wants to know who is this God? Is, is he bigger than what I've created? Who, who is he? I want to know who he is. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and says, you know what king? Uh, we're not in the valley of decision on this one. You don't need to give us 24 hours. You know, you, we don't need to, you know, go through the habeas corpus. You can hold us for a while till we decide who, how we're going to plead. We plead right now. We're not careful at all. Uh, we're not going to bow. We made up our minds a long time ago. See, this is the safe place to be. If you're trying to figure out if you're going to obey God after you know what the challenge is, you, you never do it. 
you'll never do it. This has to be decided in advance. And you have to make up your mind. That young woman in the Sudan, she wasn't she she didn't even think about. So I've already accepted Jesus. I, I know the I know what I what I would I counted the cost when I accepted him and I figured it was well worth it. Whatever it bought me, it's well worth it. And they said <clears throat> They said, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. We don't have to think twice. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand too. You got me? He's a deliverer to the uttermost. He saves to the uttermost, folks. He says, but if not, be it known that we still won't serve you and we won't worship, we won't bow. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. You got me? So they'll just leaving it up to God. God, whatever the outcome is, I'm just here. I'm your servant. And he was even angrier than he was before. He commanded, the king was, commanded it be turned up seven times hotter. It even burned up the people who were trying to throw him in. You know, all the snitches and people that try to undermine you and do you wrong, so forth and so on. Uh, they don't make it either, folks. That job isn't theirs either. See God will take whatever it is. If you're not willing to take it yourself. He's certainly not going to give it to some sinner. Are you kidding me? He's not going to do that. So they bound them up even more. Bound them in their coats. Verse 21. Their hose and their hats and other garments. Cast them in the midst of the furnace. Therefore because the king's command was urgent. And the fire was very hot. And the fire slew those that took and threw them into the the oven but it didn't burn them they fell down bound into the midst of the fiery furnace but while they were in there they were walking around whatever it is that keeps you bound and keeps you in the flesh and keeps you from getting ahead in God when you go through the trial it gets freed from you you get freed from it. And that's the purpose of the trial. To burn off that flesh stuff. That keeps you from serving God freely. Your little reservations that you have. About serving him. You know you won't want to look like everybody else. You're different. You're special. You're important. You don't have to do all this stuff that they have to do. Listen I've seen it all. That mentality gets in people. And they start shrinking back. And not doing what. Everybody else does for God, but somehow they're special. See, they don't need to do it. They're important. And, you know, I used to do that when I was first saved, but, you know, God's got me in a different realm now and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I don't have to do all that. Uh, That stuff needs to be burned, folks. It's good for nothing but the fire because it's keeping you bound from getting God's best for you. Did you hear me? It keeps you bound from getting God's best for you. So part of this trial is to loose you from ideas, mindsets, things you say, haughtiness, pride, self-elevation, all the things that you hold on to that keep you from obeying God freely. God wants people who can freely serve him. The king was astonished and rose up in haste. And spoke and said to the counselors, didn't we cast in three men? He said, but I see a fourth man in there. He said, the fire doesn't have any hurt on them. And that fourth man looks like the son of God. So here you see the king has a revelation of the true God. Doesn't mean just because he was stupid in the way he was serving. It didn't mean he didn't want to serve God for real. 
Anybody goes through all that trouble to create a golden image and have everybody want to worship that thing. Maybe seeking God for real folks. That's true about the the uh, gay advocate people. It's true about all the crazy advocate people. There are some of them that really want God for real. And so we go through trials so that we can discern who these people are. Do they want God for real? And we can minister Christ to those people. This is what it's for. It's to free us up from our past ideas false ideas about people false judgments about the kind of people they are um, all that kind of stuff gets gets taken away from us in the burning furnace in the trial by fire and mercy we're being tried by mercy because we come out understanding God understanding people understanding things that we never understood before the sinners who are looking on get to understand how powerful our God is yeah he healed me he delivered me he reconciled my marriage he got my house straightened out he got my kids off drugs he did all of those things and people who are looking on get to see God come through for you where they used to make fun of you well uh, you need to to just quit believing for your marriage and, and get on with your life well this is my life you don't like it you don't think much of it but this is my life this is what I'm getting on with. And I'm very satisfied with it because this is where God wants me to be. And so we have to realize that when you make a statement before the world about your God, that word will try you. You're being tried. You're not trying God. You're not testing him to see what kind of God he is. He knows who he is. But what he wants to see is whether or not you believe him and whether you'll stand with him so that he can come through for you. Amen. Father we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to hear your word, to know your word, to love your word. We love your word Father. And we will stand for your word Lord. Lord I thank you there are people in the earth that we can look to for encouragement and strength. Who have made a decision to stand for you in very very difficult circumstances. And we see the great hand of the great God bring them through. Even though hand join in hand the seed of the righteous are delivered. And we thank you for that Father in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. If any-